Oh man. Happy early. Trick me. Here we go. The cat and stigmata. Let's just let it play. I don't know if you can hear it. Here we go. There it is. I could choke him to death. You. Oh, now. About to witness the awesome crushing might the U.S. Robinson Show Nobody ever told me whether it's working out, pulling the uh, the sound from <laughs> pulling the sound from the, the laptop versus the phone, but nobody's complained, so I guess I'll leave it as it is. Welcome, my friends, to round one, a four, a two. What's wrong with my fingers? Ah, that's better. One, four, two. Of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. We got a good show. I don't actually say that all the time. Uh, I had to drop the bit from uh, about Huntington Beach where they hit your car with a hammer and shoot you to death in a nightclub because it turns out Revelation Records is out of stock for our bumper music which was, since 2007. They don't have it anymore. Yeah. It's all right. Which means they haven't paid. You don't pay, you don't get new ones. Uh, but I'm all uh, I'm all out of order. Can't find the pipe. And, uh, hanging out with the kid. We're ripping and running. Don't know where I put the pipe. That's how things happen. Anyway, let's let Bob sing us in like he has since uh, 2007. Stigmata. Intro all of nothing. Records called Calling It Adjust. Listen. But I'm taking a real good look at you. Real good look at your face. But being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, all right, all right. That, this is, uh, yeah, I'm taking a real good look at your face. You know, and uh, uh, I, I feel discombobulated without the, uh, without the pipe. Don't know where it is. I got a very small house, so it's around here somewhere. I made the briefest of runs. I, I had a lot of problems getting here. I had to re—I had to reload the the thing, and the, the YouTube was slow, and everything was crawling, and then and then I had the kid, and I don't—I don't know where I know where she is. I don't know where the pipe is. But in any case, we go on without this. Is a pipeless show. Market book it. It'll be a trivia question at some point in the future. Anyway, I'm your host Eugene S. Robinson. This is the show stomper, and uh, we're gonna get do some commercials. Uh, patreon.com slash the stomper or uh, patreon.com slash stomperville one or the other I can never remember which uh, they paid out this month and where are we so they paid out for uh, November and uh, y'all y'all did well so uh, I'm not gonna lean too heavily uh, 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 on the on the commercials uh, uh, thank you 
and it makes a difference. Um, you know, I still got the same computer, but I got a new phone, so at least there's that. So it, it helps, and that's a show I do the compute. I do the shoe if the if the shoe fits off the phone. So um, what else? A pinko nine five zero one four at yahoo.com is how to PayPal stuff. There's a cash app in Venmo, which some of you have figured out. It always takes me about 10 minutes to figure out how to get the money out. But thank you, Mr. Mr. R in Vegas. I know you don't want me mentioning your name. Thank you. And uh, Mr. E, thank you as well. It makes it, you know, and I, and I actually don't think, I don't think a single, a single woman has ever donated anything for the show. I could be wrong. I, I know we have women who listen. I'm actually, is, is it really? Is this just a sausage party that we actually have? It doesn't matter. We're at, all are invited, though many don't come. So listen, um, uh, there were uh, fights last night, but we 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 are not going to get to that quite yet. Not quite yet. Um, I, I want to tell you something funny. I want to tell you something funny, and this is just an aside. And this is like you know any good public speaker has a go-to uh, joke. They so I'm I have a Harry day yesterday, right? So I'm running around. I gotta go uh, go for a walk with uh, my grandson, my daughter, my wife, my 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 other daughter, my new daughter. Go to a park. I do well. Let's go back. I start to work out. Do do legs, lower body, run. Uh, uh, so do some training, you know, running, calisthenics, whatever, and then uh, 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 go to uh, uh, post office, pick up the mail. Uh, uh, I got to go to Target to to pick up some stuff for the kid and for the wife, and I go to Home Depot to get little plastic flags, and and then I then I, I forget to get the ice cream, so I got to go back in. There's now there's a line at, at Target, so I can't get into Target. So I got to go to, I said, ah, screw it. I'm going to go to this Spanish market over here. This will be perfect, right? All I need to get is ice cream. That's it. So I go in and I'm looking up and down the aisles. It's not intuitive. You know, I've got the kind of autistic kid thing. Like I got to go into the same one each time, you know, Asperger's. I go to a new supermarket and I'm all creeped out, you know. Actually, it's a J, J-A-N. So I'm, I'm sort of creeped out. So I go into this new market and it's it's cool. It's a... It's like a, a, a Mexican market, full on, full on. So I'm looking, I can't find it, but I'm also getting like weird COVID fears, right? Like I'm getting kind of COVIDy, panicky, right? So uh, like I got, I got, I got, I got my mask on, but I got to get the hell out, right? So uh, yeah, I would throw him out in a second if it wouldn't interrupt the flow of the show. Sorry about the the, the, the yelling. So um, so it, I, I I go up to a guy who's got a little weight on him. He's packing the, 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 the he's packing a freezer case. He's got a little weight on him. Naturally, he will know where the ice cream is. So I, I walk up and I say, hey, excuse me, man. Hey, uh, um, where's the ice cream? Yeah, I miss him too. Where, where, where's the, the, I don't miss his, his ass and his farts. I, in general, miss Popeye. So uh, I say, hey, man, where's the ice cream? And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, and I'm not going to do a great imitation of him. He goes, hey, I'm so Sorry, you know, my English is a, like, oh, man, hey, donde esta el lavado? <laughs> and he goes, I, which is Spanish for, where's the ice cream? And he, he looks at me, he goes, oh, ice cream. And then he turns to the woman he's packing the cases with and says, 
he's looking for ice cream. And then she says to him in Spanish, a halado, you know, uh, dos, uh, aisle two. And he goes back to me, he goes, the ice cream's in aisle two. And I was like, you know, what are we, what are we talking about? What, like, you know, the only kind of place I get that kind of shade is in Germany. You know, Germans, like Italians are great. They'll just speak Italian to you all day long. Eventually, you'll figure out that language, right? You just, I had a long conversation with some old lady in Italy, and she's like, oh, San Francisco. She's telling me about the hills and her entire vacation, right? That's the only way you're going to learn. I go up to some woman in the streets in Nuremberg, and I'm asking where a building is in German that's not bad, you know? And she just looks at me with this kind of withering and says, you go down and then go to your left. And then you, I was like, don't give me that. Don't, don't, don't screw with me, okay? I'm, I'm trying. You, you get 10,000 people from America with Eucla shirts on. That's what they call UCLA shirts over there, Eucla shirts. They won't, they're not even trying. Give me, give me some benefit. So the guy, so either the guy was messing with me, right? Like he didn't want to tell me where the ice cream was. I wasn't speaking clearly when I said ice cream. Or he was shocked out of his, his refrigerator stocking torpor by the fact that I was speaking Spanish and realized, oh, I, I can speak English. Like I was on the streets in Tokyo with a woman who was Japanese. You know, and when you see somebody who's African American and you're African American in Tokyo, it's like, oh shit, black people in Tokyo. So he comes up to me, he's like, hey man, I'm like, hey. And he's like, hey, um, you know, he says, I'm in the Navy, but da -da, we talked for a little bit. And then he says, uh, uh, well, it could have been. It could have been. Uh, I'm going to go for the touchy thing. He's fucking with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy says, hey, uh, uh, could, you, could you ask her uh, if there's a bank around here? That's what, really what I'm looking for. I go, sure. And I turn to her and I go, hey, is there a bank around here somewhere? And she goes, yeah, if you go down. And then I turn to him and realize the ridiculousness of the situation. I go, well, she just said, cause he asked me in English. She spoke perfect English. She says to me in English, and I go back to him in English. <laughs> he could have just asked her, but maybe he was being polite. You know, you don't just talk to somebody's girlfriend, woman, friend. You don't know who the person is. You don't know what the nature of the relationship is. You know, you just, I'd like to ask it. Perfect. So anyway, so th this is, this is, this is yesterday. Uh, so I just, I had to open that. that it just, I, I love that. I, I, I'm going to try to figure out a way to duplicate that in my, my, my possible futures. Like when somebody comes up to me and asks, like maybe when I get a ticket next and the cop says, hey, you know, do you know why I stopped you? And then I say, uh, no, I don't understand. I, I don't know why in, in another language. And then the guy goes, oh, my God, do we need, we need a translator. And then they get a translator. And then I speak perfect English when the, the uh, translator shows up. Maybe that's <laughs> Maybe that, that's a quick way to get to jail. Yeah, 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 probably. So anyway, so listen, so I started thinking about something that one of you said, one of you said, who's probably not listening anymore in the, in the comments at one point and, and said, you know, yeah, Eugene's all over the Nazis, but uh, he doesn't really talk too much about slavery. I started to think, well, you know, let's, let's, let's think about, let's think about the nature of what, what are the fundamental differences between the shit that happened in the 1600s, yeah, film it. <laughs> I'll be a YouTube sensation. 
on the other side, <laughs> I can appreciate it post facto. So, it, you know, I start to think, well, 1600s, they start to bring, you know, and the, the you know, West Africans sold other West Africans, you know, this, uh, international slave trade. And then, you know, and I started, I, I came, I started to come up with a system. It started to, to, to exert itself for me, right, onto me. And, and what it was, was that it was, um, um, it was a system in service of, 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 a, of business, right? So if you talk about, you know, if you talk about, um, if you talk about Eli Whitney, who's a great, great, great granddaughter I used to date, Eli Whitney, the guy who invented the cotton gin. So right away, we cotton, tobacco, the Boston Tea Party, Tea Party, these, there was a whole panoply of, of, of industries that were, were um, that the blood of the new land uh, fueled, right? Lots um, from spices to, um, uh, uh, to textiles to uh, raw materials to mineral resources, oh, all, all of it fueled by cheap, inexpensive labor, you know, um, and, and blood and, and misery from, but it was, it was a, a rainbow of, of in, from trains to the Asians with the trains and the, the laying the trail lines, train lines, cross country and into Canada. It was, it was like a bank that was open and people were running into it and the system aided and abetted that, Right. Only under that type of system do you have that, right? Without the system, you have these disparate and disconnected businesses that just kind of, you know, it kind of works and maybe it kind of doesn't work, you know. So it was, it was a system. And it's a shit, it was a shit system outside of the direct beneficiaries of it. Of which I'm one, and you you all listen to me on our expensive computers. We're all direct beneficiaries of this system. We're also screwed by the system to a certain degree, and have not been able to unburden ourselves from this great amount of guilt. You don't know how cleansing it must have been, how cleansing it seems to be for the average modern German to actually have admitted some sort of collective guilt as a result of what happened in World War II. It's allowed them to go forward into the future, even though the people who complain about it have a right to complain about it forever. And it's given the people a moral imperative. You can't deny them that. Um, but it, it, it informs your future in a way that America's past doesn't inform, America's past doesn't inform the present or futures of a large portions, a large percentage of, of, of Americans. I'm driving through my neighborhood. I see some 16-year-old kid who's beat. And, the, and, and I mean beat in the way that Allen Ginsberg meant it and, I, and Jack Kerouac meant it. Um, they meant it originally as a quality that they saw in, in, in African-Americans, which uh, a disconnectedness that they posited as a kind of cool, you know, when you beyond hope and, and, beyond, and you just kind of, you know, just, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of whatever, man. And that disconnectedness, that disengagedness, they kind of, they, that was their understanding of cool. And against the Anglo society of the 50s, post-World War II, it, it probably was cool. 
like somebody once said about me, I can't tell whether Eugene doesn't give a shit or just acting like he doesn't give a shit, right? Yeah, daddy-o. I can't, I can't tell the difference. That's kind of funny. Well, the reality of it is I'm not doing any acting. Can't get too attached to things in this, on, on this plane. So, so we, have, we have a system that sh- was shitty for, for Native Americans, shitty, but that it, it fueled a wide variety of businesses. And as such, it, it's like, it, it was like, you know, if you want to use a, a horse and a cart uh, 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 analogy, the system w- was a horse that pulled many different carts. And it's hard to it's it's hard to it's hard to get them you know the cards are skidding this way and that and different industries and you know you find a cheaper way to you get sugarcane from the West Indies and then some you know there's lots of things so there wasn't any cohesion in the misery so it's hard to say I mean we're going to talk about reparations who will pay those reparations to whom who suffered who benefited there were Buffalo soldiers who killed Native Americans. Am I going to have to, if I have to sponsor a reservation myself? You know, I mean, so it's disparate. And that's why America generally has a harder time facing up to its, its miserable past. Now, let's go to Nazi Germany. And the first time, I, let me, is it bold? If I'm a, as a journalist, I have to be careful with the use of word first time, because I don't know that it was the first time. But let, let, let's say, let's say, let's say, Let's just say for the sake of this discussion, it is the first time. Let's just say that. For the first time, we have an inversion. And the inversion is that now uh, um, in, in ter- you don't have a system that benefits the business. You have business that defines the system. You know, what do I mean by that? Do you, have you ever been to, I used to work for a defense magazine in the, in the 80s. It was called uh, uh, Defense Electronics, and I did uh, Defense Computing, Defense Electronics, and then I worked on an annual called the Command Control uh, C3I, Command Control uh, and Intelligence. Oh, my God. I can't remember what the third C was. Uh, one, one of you will figure it out. Command Control something or other. And... Um, I didn't go there to work for that. And in fact, I, they said, oh, we got good news. We want to transfer you to Defense Electronics. And I was going to refuse because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to align myself with those baby killers. And then the hippie guy who was my managing editor said, hey, can we agree on something? I go, what's that? He was like, you have a right to defend yourself, an individual right to defend yourself. I go, that's right. He goes, do you think a country has a collective right to defend itself? I go, yeah, you do. Okay, so that's what we, we're doing. We're information brokers. For for for, for uh, nations that desire to protect themselves, and I go okay, all right, okay, I can live with it because there was no choice. It was either I, I get transferred from Microwave Systems News, which is you know, avionics, and go to Defense Electronics. I could get no job, so that's what I did. So, um, so these defense industry, they have these big these big uh, confabs in Paris, all over defense trade shows. Now let's go back to the to, to the to the 30s and 40s. You know what was realized during this period? You know what it, what, what do you imagine a trade show in, in 1940 would have looked like? How you doing? This World War stuff has got to be great for business. Are you said you kidding? I sold the Germans some, some not not even like always always in the Hogan's Heroes to talk about ball bearings. Let's talk about let's just like firing rods. 
I sold a million firing rods to the Germans. I sold, you know, 300,000, 400,000 of those to the Italians. I sold some to the Japanese. I sold some. Business. There was a saying, a, a saying back, uh, Tammany Hall saying, actually, I don't think it was Tammany Hall. I can't remember what it was. Is that Upton Sinclair or one of these, you know, we we're talking about that period of time. And it was like, competition is a lifeblood of trade. So let's let's see some competition, fellas. Let's see some blood. You got you realize it's like Milo Minderbender from Catch Twenty Two. If I'm if if my bottom line if my confab and we're talking about you know I sold the Germans you know ten million dollars worth of, of armaments and then I, I then I sold the U.S. about eight million. You know we gotta we gotta keep this thing going. We gotta keep this thing going. We kind of, I mean, national interest at that point, at that point, you become not only transnational, apolitical, but, but business is a much stronger and more effective, uh, um, uh, you know, more, more effective uh, horse cart situation ever. It's much more effective than, than the, the, the horse called the system. And may, keep in mind, with Nazi Germany, the great repository of evil, there wasn't a single act of violence that wasn't accompanied by an act of theft. And the corporations were thick, from Volkswagen to Benz to Hugo Boss to, to Bayer Aspen, still in existence. Free labor, all kinds of free labor, slave labor, commerce. With, with great disregard for, for, for the ways and means and outcomes. Ford, Henry, Henry Ford. Tight, tight as ticks with Hitler. So for the first time we see, we see it's not a system that drives, because a system is, is relatively, uh, yeah, a system is relatively rainbow oriented, right? It's a rainbow, right? And also, a system stops at national borders, right? Back in 1672, you know, China had a different system than America. America had a different system, but business, as we, as we, as all of these, yeah, I mean, we could just, uh, Fanta, I wrote a piece on Fanta, how Fanta was created because there was a blockade, they wouldn't sell, uh, Coke couldn't do business in Nazi Germany, so they said, oh, we screw them. We have to come up with our own soda. Oh, really? And so they invented Fanta, which with parts they could get during wartime blockades. Yeah, I mean, the blockades were for the cheap seats. Ah, oh, yeah, we're doing something. Here I make the universal hand sign of somebody jerking somebody off. And this is only significant because while the system that... that we can still see it with redlining. I live in a neighborhood that was aggressively redlined straight through the 60s and the 70s. So the system still has its, 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 stinky, its, its stinky tendrils, you know, work, it, work its way through time. But it's in my mind, and it's insidious, like that kid who I passed on the sidewalk who just looked beat. No 16-year-old should be standing there looking like that in anything other than a pose. Not real. So, you know, so 
the tendrils of that are more sublime, more insidious, still continue. Like it benefits somebody, redlining benefits somebody financially, as well as other reasons, tax bases, education that comes from its schools, likelihood that if I drive on two miles that I won't find a single 16-year-old who, who, whose parents are engineers at Intel or Adobe or Apple stand on the sidewalk looking like that in any way that's other than opposed. That's not the point. The point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, we have with, with World War II, you have transnational actors realizing that they could play these puppets off against each other and, and that they would they could make bank. Eisenhower warned against a military industrial complex, and it wasn't people focus on the like, Oliver Stone and JFK focus on the military. It's the industrial portion that I that I'm paying attention to. I was talking to my wife this morning, and she starts zeroing in on the perniciousness of of the birthing industry and its relationship, the shit that they do in America that's completely illegal in Europe that they do vis-a-vis -vis new mothers and breastfeeding. Something that simple. But on every level, through this whole birthing process, they've pushed formula, formula, formula. Fuck, fuck. It's illegal. And you find out in America that hospitals are incentivized through cash to actually push this shit. Pediatrician said the other day, she said, ah, you know, you could probably start your kid in solid foods at four months. The World Health Organization said, never do this. They go six months. Is a doctor, is a pediatrician a slouch? No, Stanford. Doesn't mean anything except as, as far as I'm, everybody's in the kill tech. Why? Because it's not the system at this point. It's the business. You see some competition, see some blood. You want to see some trade. It's the business. And the business is giving you the business. Like my friend, my three-card Monty dealer friend in Tel Aviv said when I asked him to teach me three-card Monty, he said, Eugene, no, you know this, you've heard me say it before, Eugene, nobody who knows anything about life plays this game. Nobody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, at this point, the, the yeah, right, correct. I'm, I'm correcting uh, being Shortsville. So, uh, you know, it, it, it is... It, it, it happened, and keep in mind, I'm not talking about when a system is amorphous. I mean, communism, kind of Marx, I don't really know. But there are people who uh, on December 14th will get a paycheck, and they will go home to their husbands and their wives and their children, and they'll have a drink, and they'll have dinner, and they'll feel perfectly okay about the business they've been driving. And if you think I'm going to go down some road about ethical business, you're wrong. You're wrong. Like, like my Greek used car dealer friend who would rob you in a second would say, much like the, the guy in Tel Aviv, fundamentally his attitude was, what is that the great line from that song? I didn't lose your money. Your money lost you. If I say, hey, yo, bro, I think I'm going to wander into that cave and see if that bear is still there. Could you hold my wallet for me? <laughs> Dion Cole, the comedian, said some people would call that a what? 
a blessing. Right. That's where I'm going with this. That's where I'm going with this. You know, just because you're not smart doesn't mean you're innocent. Should the burden of of forgiveness be placed on, on? It's like, look, you know what the business is. I'm going, I'm going Hyman Roth in Godfather part two. I didn't ask who gave, this is the business that we've chosen. When they put on a commercial on TV for some medicine and they show people, the happy smiling people running through parks. Amplify, is it for you? If you have, and then, you know, you have the little disclaimer at the end, could cause Periodic blindness and diarrhea, diarrhea and blindness, diarrhea blindness. You think that's for? You think people three hundred years ago had problems with this? No, it's things. It's a river that changes, but it's always the same. But in this instance, Nazi Germany has completely changed our relationship to each other permanently. And woe betide you if you don't realize this. Yeah, exactly. The happy fumble. What? I, and I and I say this because uh, Jordan Levitt and Matt Wyman. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I've been back and forth and back and forth. First of all, I, I love Jordan Levitt. I sorry, I, I called him last night. One of you texted me. I called him the who the figure skater because he does that thing where he he jumped into the arms of his teammate and he held him aloft and he drops down into the into 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 the into the split and I was like oh man this guy is so perfectly femi it's great it's like gorgeous George I, I, I love this and with this brutal undefeated record brutal knockout of Matt Wyman and I'm like well you know like Mr. Marcus said best he knew what the job was when he took it Matt Wyman knew what the job was when he took it. His wife is sitting there and like in, in the empty arena, sitting there in the first row and had to watch this. 37-year-old guy who hasn't had a fight in like 25 months decides to show up and gatekeep some kid who's uh, undefeated, who's married, married and he has a kid. Or his wife is about to have a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. I keep getting his name wrong. <laughs> so, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watt Myman, he, he, he was a, he was a, that was a classic version of a dark star. When it came up on Care Don't Care preview, I was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That guy's still fighting? Snake, Snake Plishkin. I thought you were dead. Yeah, Matt. And then when he comes walking out and you see his face, you go, oh, man, I remember you. I remember you. And if you think that that was a a rampage, rampage slam, which is just like, oh, I got a guy. Let me see if this works. Wrong. The way he framed it, he knew he could, like, if. If a guy is walking me across like that and I got my legs around his waist, he's walking me across, you know, I'm hunching like this because I know, like Greco style, I'm about to get thrown back. 
I've been knocked out accidentally like that before. Wouldn't let it happen again. I'm curling like this. So I, my back is the first thing that hits. Or I'm, I'm, I'm getting close. I don't know what Wyman's doing. It didn't make a difference because Jordan Levin frames it, hand on the side of the neck, and to guarantee that that head was the first thing that hit. And, dude, he, he's like, he's a palsy shake. Nah, you're not bouncing back from that. And the indignity on top of indignity is it's probably based on the scans that he's going to have. He's going to have a medical thing that keeps him out for six months. That's his last fight. He's done. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. It was so feeling sorry for the guy, but then I always rebel against feeling sorry for anybody. Because usually what's happened is there's developed a friction between my idea of how their future should play out and how their future is actually played out. In actual fact, I should be an actualist. What really happens is what really happened. There's no need to, you know, you watch a nature show and the gazelle gets eaten. There's no need. It's not like the gazelle was not going to get eaten. That gazelle gets eaten every time. Don't feel sorry for it. Feel happy that the lion has got a meal, maybe. Alternatively, if you find yourself on the spreadsheet end of a raw deal, if you find <laughs> I feel happy that Rudy got COVID. Because there are only so many times that you could run into a cave and go, there's no bear in the cave. There's no bear in the cave. There's only so many times you could do that before there's actually really a bear in the cave. And you get your ass eaten out. That's it. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Who who to thunk? So who to thunk? So I, I'm back and forth between Matt Wyman and get get and, and you know Jordan was pretty zen about it. It was like I you know I don't know does it get hurt and blah, blah. but it's just like man the game the game changes. Do you honest to God? How how well do you think? I mean, there are cats that are still on. Uh, of this caliber, and I'm going to mention Don Fry. You know, there, there, there are cats in that caliber still in the, in the oopsie, but if you bring Don Fry back, he's not, the game, the game migrates, it migrates. And I screwed up, I screwed up picking Jack Hermanson over Marvin Victoria because I, I confused Victoria with Aless, uh, Alessio Sakara, who hasn't fought in the UFC for a couple of times, Again, it's like um, Americans with language. Sakara, Vittori, Vittori, Sakara. That sounds the same to me. If I known it was, if I known it was Vittori, I probably would have picked Vittori, but I picked Hermanson because Hermanson is like the modern day, the 2020 version of Keith Keith Jardine. He's got the really weird rhythms and his thing is that. But you know, they kept saying, you know, and I think if you're smart, you have one of your team, one of your teammates there with his headset on whatever monitoring the broadcast because that was some solid advice they gave about the high kick to the to, to the left side of Vittori's head that would have worked but if you're in there and you need them to tell you something like that maybe you shouldn't be in there and there were so Levitt is is now a care who's the guy the Spanish guy uh, uh Tuporia Tuporia, I'm, I'm mangling his name. I know he was from Spain. How about that? That guy's a care. 
Jordan Levitt's a care. And it was scattershot. Cause I, I, some of the fights inside, I, like I missed uh, uh, Schmolka. I missed that. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 I miss that. And, and I want to, I want to, I want to tie it off. I want to tie off, you know, because I, I mean, I only had, I only had uh, three cares on the fight, the card this weekend. If you watch Care Don't Care, you know that. So I only had three cares. I cared about Vittori versus Hermanson. I cared about, I did not care about OSP. Fell down that flight of stairs once. Not going to do it again. But I, but he is now a care for me. Jamal Hill is now a care for me. I like, I, I like the guy's stuff. However, if you think that Johnny Boney Joni tweeting out kudos to this guy is a sign that welcome to the division, wrong. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's not giving love to anybody who he thinks could justifiably really beat him. And that's the nature of his beef with DC. I got to crawl up in your brain pan early. Hey, good job, buddy. He doesn't give a crap about that guy, Jamel Hill. Uh, yeah, who was the other cat? Uh, 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 the Georgian dude got on my nerves. You know, I really, uh, the guy who fought Alan Hall, he's the, the smirking, the joking, and the joking. You want me to tap him? It's like, man, I, I would go off book just to fuck that guy up. You, you want to you, you clown me? The last time I got clowned, I was in, I was at AKA and I was, I was fighting Frank Shamrock and they we were in the ring, not the cage in the ring. And somehow we ended up under the, under the ropes. And then he thought it would be funny to take the bottom rope and hold it on my throat and post up for photos. He had a woman photographer there. He said, Hey, look, eh. And if I had if I had a knife, I'd have stabbed him in the ass with it. But I realized, like in Clockwork Orange, this is the real sad and weepy part of my tale. Sometimes you got to take the shots. That's it. If I could have kept him from doing it, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So, uh, um, so, uh, uh, um, so I care. To, so Jamal Hill's a care. Tuponio, whatever the Spanish guy is a care. Uh, uh, Levitt's a care. These are new cares. Didn't touch OSP. You know, I always knew he would fail, but never quite so spectacularly. You know, and, and the thing is, OSP's best friend in the oopsie has been consistently any editor that he's had. Because when they edit those clips together, they take the best few seconds of every one of his fights. They have a frame rate. They increase the frame rate so it seems faster and more exciting. They put that Von Flew choke in there. Boom. Done. And you think, my God, how could I how could I miss that guy? Yeah, Tuparia, yeah. And then you watch his fight, and you're like, oh, man. It's like before, before the internet, nostalgia. And you start thinking about that girl that you went out with in college. You're like, man, I wonder what she's doing now. And then you say, hey, you know, if you're going to be around, maybe we should go to the coffee shop. And then, get it. and then you end up, and you sit your ass down that chair, and you realize, I made a terrible fucking mistake. I should not be here. Except now you have Facebook, so you don't make those mistakes. Unless you're really stupid, you don't make those mistakes. So that's it. That's it for the fight card. ESPN, uh, UFC on ESPN 19. That's it. There's a, there, we have more cares on the fight card coming up next week. It's actually a, a better, bigger card. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, and, and the fact is, 
We talked about it on Care Don't Care, which comes out tomorrow afternoon, and I think I'd like to address it here. The pre-announcement that they're going to cut 60 people, and, and Nash and Steph were talking about it from like an economic perspective, and I'm like, you guys are missing this. This is stalling. Because they could have just done it. You know, management theory, if you have more people quitting your organization than you have, then you're firing them, it makes you seem indecisive. It makes your organization seem out of control. It makes you seem like on the dirty end of a shitty stick. There's a certain, in the center between firing and quitting, there's attrition. And you expect over time that the wave of people retiring, Quitting, moving, a medical suspension is such that you can manage, you can manage your, your, your financial bottom lines. Business, business, you can manage it. If you have suddenly more people quitting, your business looks like shit. And it looks like you don't know what you're doing. So what do, you, what do, what do companies do in a counterintuitive burst? If they're having problems with people quitting... They start firing people because they want the upper hand. And it's, at that point, then they seem bold and decisive and they're making moves and they're going and they've got a plan. Like, I, I'm going to go to Georgia and convince the governor, I'm going to convince the governor to declare this election invalid. That's my plan. On the basis of what? On the basis of dogs and testicles. Does that make any sense to you? Yes, it does. So they start firing people, and then all of a sudden, fear. Uh, apropos of nothing, Paul Felder last night says what? So they have the ding, 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 all three lined up, and he says, you know, and I, I, I love my job. I love working. I love my job. And people are like, I'm just in cheese, eating sausage, mongering. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is like the guy in Empires of the Sun. I'm a British officer. I shall not pick up that rock, sir. And then, uh, and then they they. they Hit the Japanese soldier that stoves his head in with the gun. John Malkovich jumps out, and the guy's like, I'm all right, I'm all right. And Malkovich looks at him like, <laughs> and picks up the rock. Picks up the rock. Paul Felder suddenly popping off like that. I love my job. Whatever, bro. Got a wife, got a kid. Love your hustle. That, that's all right. I got three sausages on my plate. I'm working for a guy who's got a billion. I, I got to play ball. Would you expect me to do anything else? You're right. Good for you. You're 100% right. That was the right move. Good for you, Paul Felder. So now they announced we're going to fire 60, 65 people during a pandemic. You know what you will not hear for the next few months? I'll tell you very specifically what you will not hear for the next few months. You will hear no complaints about cash. You, where's Sean O'Malley? Where are his complaints? Oh, you, oh, you will not hear any of this. No complaints. No complaints about cash. Zero. Done. And I don't, I imagine they're not going to do it all in one day either. I could be wrong. Pull off the band-aid slow, pull it off fast. Well, that depends. Now, I want to I wanna send a shout out to Tommy LB. Tommy LB. Yeah, I got a letter from him. I'm not going to read all of it because it's uh, private. He talks about Holland. Holland's got a great fight coming up. We talk about it on Care, Don't Care. Um, yeah, let's see. But there was one thing. 
uh, wind, if you can't breathe, you can't fight for long or be relaxed, back in the training, making progress, uh, get older, the heat, it takes longer to heal, 61, boom. Guy's a man. So anyway, I want to tell you a little story, and uh, it's the last one of the show. Uh, I'm at Gold's Gym, and I'm at this point now fully steroided out, 265 pounds, and, uh, you know, I got my crew, you know, a bunch of guys there competing in bodybuilding shows, some guys are powerlifters, whatever. And uh, but we're not like, you know, we realize it's a consumer gym, it's a Silicon Valley gym, so we hang mostly with each other, and we're doing our thing. Um, these kids show up, and at first, they're, one guy is either Filipino or Latino, one guy is a white cat. And at first, they're kind of like nervous. They're kids, like 17, 18, right? They, you see them kind of poking around. But as usual, it, you know, everything normalizes in, in this environment. And then after maybe about a couple months, they start to feel at home. They're saying hi to their front guy at the desk. They have their little crew of friends. In my mind, at that point, when I was driving for, to be 300 pounds, I was, they were insignificant to me, right? Just some 160-pound kids. I don't give a shit. But as they start to get enculturated into the gym, they start to they start to do stuff, which means that they are embracing and emboldened by the lifestyle to a certain degree. And at one point, I'm in the gym and I don't remember what I'm doing, but I hear this kabooch, and I you know I don't startle easily, you know, and I'm not like a nervous type. I don't have these nervous conditions. I don't you know, but I, it's a loud noise, and I look over. And these guys are doing dumbbell inclines. And when they finish from the dumbbell inclines, so they go boom, when they finish from the dumbbell inclines, they put them out here and they drop the dumbbells in the air. So they're falling four feet in the air to the floor. Now these kids are not that, 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 that strong. They maybe they're doing 60 pounds. But 60 pounds dropped from four feet are pretty noisy. I was doing dumbbell inclines for 10 reps with 110. The big, big ones. And I never, I, boom, 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 drop here to my, even after I almost severed my penis, when they fell into the center, and, you know, usually you fall into the center, and then you would hear a click, and then I don't hear any click, and I go, that's weird. It oh, it was the most intense pain. You know, I went to click them together to, you know, as you get them up, and they, they crushed my penis in between. Even then, I did not drop them on the floor. Well, I'm a fundamentally a different type of personality. Despite the fact that I'm in a band, or maybe because of it, because I'm in a band, because I've done spoken word, because I've been in TV and movies, because I got the podcast, because I'm always on this side of the camera. You know, if I'm at a party, I'm not lampshade on the head guy. In fact, my lifelong thing of hanging out with very tough guys has taught me I'm much better off in the long run listening and learning than talking. In fact, you understand that the, the, the guy M.O., that if you have a friend who's especially talkative and you like to go to bars, he will inevitably get into more fights than anybody who's just kind of watching. All right? In prison, the same thing. A loud mother, you know, this is not, you, you, got, you know how friggin' entertaining you have to be to be able to pull that off? You got to be really entertaining. That's why the guys who are really good at it become professional comedians. Everybody else should shut the fuck up. Etiquette. You shut your mouth. 
That time I almost got murdered by a mafia enforcer out in Ridgewood at the gym. Taught me a valuable lesson. Listen and you might learn something. So, the, so I don't even drop the 110 pounds. I control it, put it back on my legs, back in the rack. So these kids are starting to jump this at four feet, and I'm looking at them, and I, I'm going to murder them. I actually, I want to, I want to, just, just anger. Keep in mind, I'm taking steroids in, but it's a, it never deformed my personality. But when I got angry, I got really like angry, but I can control myself. And and but it, the the waves of it coming off of me, they could feel. They didn't know why. And it's not my job to educate the world. But, you know, I look, I'm at the same gym and I got the dumbbells on my, I'm about to do a, a set of dumbbells on, on, on my left. And a guy sat on me. He sat on my lap. And this wasn't like the gay Battlestar Galactica thing. The guy didn't see me. I, I I go, I go to the Tate Museum, and this has happened any number of times in London with, with, uh, with, with Kasha, and she's, uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom, and then she comes back, and she can't find me. And I'm, like, standing there, like, waving. She goes, well, I, got, I couldn't see you. She says, you have an you have a unerring ability to just disappear. Eerie, uh, sorry, eerie ability to just disappear. And I go, I'm the biggest, blackest thing standing over there. And the, the, she goes, didn't see you. So it's a skill. And I remember reading one of these great Alfred Hitchcock stories about the world's greatest spy. You heard, you heard me talk about where the guy had no, like Robert Musil's book, The Man Without Qualities. He had no extant qualities. So he was a perfect spy, except one day he's sitting there following some guy and he realizes that he takes his thumbnail and he scores the side of a matchbook. Just a stupid habit. And as he realizes, it's like, oh, my God, he looks up and there's the most nondescript man he's ever seen who's looking at him as watched. And by the end of the story, of course, he's assassinated by this guy because the second he looked, he forgot who the guy was, the most anonymous. So these guys feel this waves of anger and rage coming off of me. and They can't figure out why. And it's building. But I have no need to resolve this. I don't need to tell them. I don't need to talk to them. I don't need to. They're dropping the weights next to me. I, I, I won't be provoked. I just hate them for eternity. I actually go to get some audio stuff done in my car. The white cat's working there. He sees me, sends somebody out, uh, else to deal with me. I go, ah, like a car, sound system for the car. Fuck off. I end up at AKA training. The cats show up at AKA. I knew all I had to know about them based on my time at Gold's Gym. I didn't say anything to them. That they gave, I've never spoken to them. They could be watching this show now. And it's like, ah, oh, that's why. It would have taken 20 years. I've been trying to figure out why that guy hated me. This is the same gym where the woman who comes up to me, she's got uh, 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 like a top that's cut down to here. Uh, this is thongs before th uh, uh, fluorescent green thong pulled way up her ass. And she's like jumping around in front of me. Looks at me, walks over and goes, oh, you are. I, and within the first three minutes tells me fundamentally that she dates lots of black guys and she loves black guys and I am too cute. 
You know what else I am? I'm repulsed. I'm repulsed because her personal need for recognition and acknowledgement stunk as desperate. And, and, and who wants to be part of anybody's fan club? Fuck that. As it turns out, I made the right move. She went out with a friend of mine who actually was not black. And she thought she would help him. Because she was worried about him and sent the police over to his house. And he had fallen asleep. She had called him and he wasn't answering the phone. She really suspected he was with the woman. He said, could you check with him? Because he's been depressed lately. He was depressed because he was working himself up to say, I'm so depressed we can't be together trying to break up with her. So she sends the cops over because she's worried that he's depressed. He's falling asleep in the front seat of his car. The cops show up with a flashlight. They look. And he says, oh, no, I was just a little tired. I got to get to work. And they go, what's that under your front seat? All the steroids that came out from under the front seat and, and that, and off to jail. Helping. Helping hands. She helped him. He called me from jail. I was like, Eugene, I was like, oh, man. His parents were like, I told you what. Your son is 275 pounds. What did you think he got that from eating Wheaties? Stop it. Parents were shocked and depressed. So anyway, this personal need for, for, for recognition just drives me crazy. No, no, this was good old-fashioned guy from Bulgaria or Mexico, right? So it, it, a friend of mine, well, he's, uh, uh, he's a was a BJJ black belt, quite competitive at the time. I've written about him before. Uh, he probably would have been in MMA now. He used to train with Dave Camarillo, Cameron Earl, who's in prison for 25 years for murder, attempted, or no, I'm sorry, for, for rape, raped a woman on Christmas Eve by her Christmas tree while she was putting out gifts for her kids. He was in a restaurant once, and the guy was shouting and loud and screaming. He finally just finishes his meal and tells the guy, shut the fuck up ends up choking the guy out in a, in a taqueria. And then, of course, because he was like an institutional kid, I would have stayed there. His first thing was to run, and he drops his wallets, and the cops come looking for him over at Hal Gracie on El Camino. And then he's been living in his car outside the academy, and he's got his pit bull, and they shoot his pit bull. At the, just complete chaos. But my point is, in that instance, he was exactly right. A guy comes into Boston Market screaming and complaining about how fucked up Boston Market is week after week after week, and you really question whether he hates Boston Market that much. And you question his desperate need for attention. Now, like the girlfriend said, you know, suddenly, like, like my ex-girlfriend said, so you, at first you're telling the story, and then I realize that it's about me. You know, we're, we're having an argument. No, there's no argument. But I, I knew I had a better chance of getting you to understand how I got here if, if I used analogy and metaphor, if I told it in the form of a story. So some of you might get what I'm talking about when I talk about desperate need for attention and recognition. Let's go back to Monty Python, the Department of Arguments. Because, right? uh, yeah, I'm looking for, no, this is the Department of Arguments. No, it's not. Well, it says in the door. It isn't. We have a, we have, we're right now, this is the national light motif. Just saying the opposite of what I said isn't an argument. Yes, it is. 
Well, look up the Monty Python skit. It's very funny. The point is, the point is, despite the last, the way we spent the last four years, I have zero interest in, and I actually have zero interest in arguing about politics with anybody because I'm unlikely to change. And a good portion of this light, and a good portion, uh, 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 a good portion of uh, uh, you know this life. I mean, I, like my friend Tel Aviv said, nobody who knows anything about life, Eugene, plays this game. I don't have any interest in educating, changing, or altering people's behavior because, because, like the business says, if you get robbed, I didn't lose your money. Your money lost you. I'm happy to have you go into that cave, Rudy, and, and to see if there's a bear there and get your ass chewed out. Because if it's you, it's not going to be me. I do not want to subject you to the tyranny of my expectation and that I'm not feeling sorry for you because the distance between what is and what I expected, that's gone. So I say that because this is all for Tommy LB. <laughs> Because of what you wrote on the back of the envelope. <laughs> and I'll keep that between me and Tommy LB. I love Tommy like a brother. <laughs> but, but his sympathies are misaligned based on what he's written on the back of the, back of the envelope. <laughs> and, there, and, and here's my address if you want to send me something. You can see I cover up his address so you don't have to see it. So, uh, he, yeah. So uh, he, he doesn't go through Patreon, PayPal, Cash App goes the old-fashioned way. So, my, my, just to be clear, who is in the Lost Battalion? Well, I mean, it's not always a guarantee that we need to be talking about the Lost Battalion. You know, on If the Shoes Fit, I do that once a week. I talk about the Lost Battalion in If the Shoes Fit once a week. But you got to understand, don't expect me to talk about Tyson because that was an exhibition match. And if we want to talk about Mayweather and this guy, Paul, this is a win-win. Because once Paul fights Mayweather, he will never bother with the likes of a bum like, like Conor McRapist. There's no, why would he even do that? There's no, unless he's just for fun. He's going to make so much money from this. And what is this thing now with... with, with uh, with uh, ex exhibition matches. If you pay $65 for that pay-per-view for that exhibition match, you need to meet my friend in Tel Aviv. That's what you need to do. But Lost Battalion, I, look, yeah. you know, we have the Undisputed General. We've got, it. we have three fights coming up this next weekend that are, that are our lost battalion primo. We got JDS, Jacare, and Cub Swanson. But I like these guys enough that so I don't want to harp on it. And also, I think to a certain degree, at least two of those people who I've mentioned know exactly where they are, making them not lost battalion. Tyson, Tyson knew exactly what was going on. He he 20 years ago said, I could sell out Madison Square Garden. If I was masturbating, you want to spend a sixty-five dollars? That's great. Don't come whining to me for a free T-shirt like the dude uh, on Instagram was like, "Give me a free T-shirt." It doesn't. The, 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 
Cub is fighting somebody who's super tough. I can't remember. I picked the other cat to win. Like some, uh, not Viziev, but so, somebody like where you're thinking like Matt Wyman, Cub Swanson, they might have something in common after next weekend. But the point is, the point is the system, the system will still fuck you. Right? But the business will kill you. The business will kill you. And that brings us a full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I don't know if there are any ladies listening to this show. I'd like to, I need to do, I need to get more women listening to this show. I gotta do something. Like Oxbow's got about, Facebook let me know that Oxbow's like 18% of our, our readership uh, for Oxbow on Facebook are, are women. And I, that kind of jibes with what I see in, from the stage when I'm looking out in the, the audience. You go to Nick Cave, the numbers are like reversed. It's like, well, how do we become the dude's delight? How'd that happen? Oxbow. Maybe his post is like that. Maybe that's what's doing it. Gotta get more women in here. I blame you guys. It's like, there's a club we went into in Krefeld, Germany called Mono. A friend of mine says, yeah, man, we'll start this club. It's called Mono. Like, All right. We go in, there are four dudes sitting at the table. We like open the thing and they're like, <laughs> so we go, okay, we're going to go in. And, and we sit there at the bar, and there's these women, we hear women's voices, and they come through that leather curtain, and they're like, huh, and they see those four lonely guys at the, at the table, and then they look at us, and they're like, hey, we go somewhere else. <laughs> Maybe that's what this show has become. Mono. Mono for men. <laughs> okay, yes, thank you, Richard. You're going to take one for the team. Anyway, thanks for listening. This is round 142. Uh, if, you, if you follow me on Twitter, you have read all of the four pieces I've done. I did the Q&A for Megan Kelly, and I'll talk about that on If the Shoe Fits um, a little bit more for Ozzy. I did the uh, 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 Dave Ferguson from Neuro, the robot guy. You know, <laughs> um, I did the 28 Startups to Watch, and then I did the Taylor piece this week. So I, I, I haven't even tweeted out all this stuff because I don't want to be a hog who takes up a lot of space like those two kids at the gym. Don't want to be that. So, it, um, um, so uh, I tweeted all that stuff out, and I think I got another another heavy week coming up. Monday afternoon, uh, kind of noon. Care don't care goes live. Tuesday, it's uh, 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 John Nash and me and Alexi on if the shoes fit. I'll tweet any other articles out this week. If you send me an invite, Mister Sleep Three on Instagram, and you are blocked. Then forget it. Or you have no photos in your piece. Forget it. I think you're a spy and you're after me. Can't have it. I got to be able to peek in. So you, you send it to me and unblock it for two seconds. And I'll okay as I could look and then, and then okay. So this is one, four, two of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. Thanks for listening. Got to go. It's getting late. Uh, and we started too late as it is. Thanks for listening. And you know what we always say? You know what we say? Look what you made me do!